Well, Gonzaga and Michigan State are bringing back the aircraft carrier games, and we are here to break it all down right here on the Locked On College Basketball Podcast. You are Locked On College Basketball, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. What is up? Welcome to the Locked On College Basketball Podcast, a daily college basketball podcast brought to you by the Locked On Podcast Network. I am your host, Andy Patton. Today's episode is brought to you by Underdog. Sign up on underdogfantasy.com with promo code Locked On, and you'll get your first deposit doubled of up to $100. All right, I'm thrilled to be joined today on Friday, the final episode of the first week of the Locked On College Basketball Podcast, joined here today by Nate Dickinson, the host of the Locked On Big Ten Podcast, to help break down this Gonzaga-Michigan State game. Nate, I want to start by asking you just what was your initial reaction to finding out that that we're bringing this game back? It's been about a decade since we've seen a game like this. So what was your first thoughts when we found out it was coming back? Uh, I guess not surprised that the game's coming back. It's mm-hmm. a f- fun thing to do at the beginning of the season. College yeah. basketball likes to do fun things at the beginning of the season. So mm-hmm. bringing it back makes sense. A little surprised that they brought Michigan State back to play in yeah. it again. But, mm-hmm. hey, I guess that's advantage Big Ten team, so I'm all mm-hmm. for it. But aside from any of that, no, I'm not surprised that it's happening. I think it's going to be a whole lot of fun, and mm-hmm. I'm looking forward to seeing just seeing it, the scene, yeah. the scene itself on Friday. Yeah, you know, it's funny. I think there's a kind of a split reaction to these kind of games. Some people are, are they have a fear about the injuries and the court conditions and stuff like that. And there's also uh, people who absolutely love it and love the uniqueness and the, the beauty of it. And certainly, you know, even when you look at the, the last times these games happened, some of them went really well and they were gorgeous settings and everybody had a really good time and the game went off without a hitch. And then there were some instances where games got canceled at halftime. So you can kind of see why there's a bit of a a spread on either direction here. But uh, for Michigan State, for Tom Izzo, obviously, always been willing to kind of push the envelope and try to do things a little bit differently. And Mark Few likes to do the same. So I think it'll be a really fun opportunity to see two really good teams play each other uh, in a situation that you might not otherwise get a chance to see them play. Yeah, I feel like the people who are talking about like injuries and weird court mm-hmm. conditions, I don't feel like those people understand just how much basketball these kids are playing. Yeah, <laughs> they're, they're playing inside, they're playing outside, mm-hmm. they're playing on cracked concrete in yeah. the summers and stuff, especially at this point before they're mm-hmm. in the pros when they don't have mm-hmm. like millions of dollars in, in yep. contracts to keep them from doing so. Mm-hmm. Th- these guys are playing basketball all the time. It's not yeah. a matter of anything like that. Mm-hmm. I mean, I more than anything else, give Michigan State the advantage, not mm-hmm. because it's on an aircraft carrier, but because mm-hmm. it's Tom Izzo coaching on a neutral court. I mean, yeah, yeah. beginning of the season, this is the kind of game that a Michigan State team that's an underdog ends mm-hmm. up competing and winning. Absolutely. Well, let's talk about the matchup here. Obviously, for the Zags, uh, they they lost Chet Holmgren. They lost Andrew Nembhard. I think for most teams in the country, losing two NBA players, a guy who was picked second in the NBA draft, you know, highest rated recruit in program history in Chet, uh, a guy like Andrew Nembhard, who is having a very successful NBA career so far and was a, a truly excellent point guard. I think you look at that and you'd think that most teams would would take a pretty significant step back. But the Zags have the ability to return Drew Timmy, a national player of 
of the year contender, Julian Strother, a potential first round pick, Rasir Bolton, a outstanding combo guard who you know was really good for the Zags last year, really good at Iowa State a couple years before that. Uh, picked up a couple of nice transfers as well. So this is a Gonzaga team that you know they came into the year number two. They played a, a tough scrimmage game against Tennessee and then beat North Florida in their first game. Uh, we know that they're going to be a really tough team. They've always been a tough team. They got themselves a really nice non-conference schedule this year, but a lot of that can be said with, with Tom Izzo's squad as well. You know, they don't maybe don't have as much star power as Gonzaga does, but they have a nice balanced offense. They obviously have a, a phenomenal coach. Uh, I'm kind of curious just a little bit about what this off season looked like for the Spartans and kind of how they, are kind of coming into the season and what they might look like this year. Right now, Michigan State's still kind of, I think, looking for the guy. I mean, mm-hmm. you mentioned you lose the NBA talent, but you mm-hmm. kept a guy like Drew Timmy out there. Michigan mm-hmm. State lost both its NBA talent and Max Christie, mm-hmm. but it also lost the leading scorers around him too. Gabe Brown's mm-hmm. not here anymore. Yeah. Um, Marcus Bingham's not here anymore to – kind of carry that load with them too so Mm -hmm. it's not really just that they lost that big star out there they had seniors that were leaving too so Mm -hmm. the question becomes who is it that takes over that role in the first Mm -hmm. game joey hauser yeah really impressive 18 points 10 rebounds he was the guy who was taking the most shots for that team Mm -hmm. it seems like he could be someone who could step in and do that Uh, other names to look out for uh, jackson kohler and trey holloman the two freshmen only played 16 and 11 minutes. They're four-star recruits, mm-hmm. guys who are going to be contributing on this team. I don't know how much they contribute in this game sure. exactly and exactly how much Tom Izzo wants to get them in in mm-hmm. this weird, weird yeah. game at the beginning right. of the season, to say the very least. Uh-huh. Uh, as far as just what Michigan State's doing, they're still mm-hmm. trying to find that guy because yeah. – I think there's talent to be a tournament team here. There's talent Mm -hmm. to compete in the Big Ten, but it has to at least get some structure still that Mm -hmm. I think Izzo's still kind of feeling out. Yeah, absolutely. And, and, you know, you look at this team, Joey Hauser did have an outstanding first performance. Pierre Brooks came off the bench and scored 14. I don't know that even Izzo would have guessed that he's your second leading scorer in your first game. And obviously there's a difference between playing Northern Arizona and playing teams like Gonzaga and Kentucky and some of the other teams that that this Spartan squad is going to end up playing. But what a better way to try to find out who your guys are than go out and challenge them with this kind of schedule, with this kind of ridiculous uh, stretch that they're going to end up facing. I'm curious, just Izzo has always been a coach who's so ready to anybody, anytime, anywhere. And, and Gonzaga has done that too. And part of Gonzaga's reasoning for that is because they have a easier conference schedule. And so they don't have as many big games that they can play between January and, and March. Uh, so they have to prepare themselves in the non-conference. But Izzo, he's got a lot of great games that he's going to play in the Big Ten. You know, it, the Big Ten may not be as dominant as it's been in the past, but you still get Indiana and Illinois and Wisconsin and and all of those other great Ohio State bunch of phenomenal teams. So for Izzo to go out and schedule really tough non-conference schedules, is that him just trying to trying to put the absolute most challenging team uh, challenge his team as much as humanly possible, just to see if they can be as ready for March as, as they can? Sure, and I feel like Izzo's smart enough now to kind of just get a feel of what his teams. I mean, going to need at some point mm-hmm. going forward in the future in, in right. getting this done because in maybe like the Michigan state teams that we've seen from let's say 
five, 10, maybe even longer years ago. Sure. Those teams were safely in the tournament, and we were always so impressed with how they were able to overperform once mm-hmm. they got into March. Over these past recent years, Michigan State's been more of a bubble team, right. and we've seen Izzo's ability to really get a team ready for the postseason by making a run to the postseason and making mm-hmm. it into that tournament. He's gone through multiple times spots where it seemed like Michigan State has been dead in the water mm-hmm. in January, and by the time you get to middle of February, they're right back there on the bubble and yeah. in the conversation comes Selection Sunday. So whatever it is that Tom Izzo is doing, mm-hmm. it works. Yeah, I I believe that it's something that you can't question at this point, even if it is a team that, again, is lacking a sort of structure, it's lacking a sort of leadership right now and facing the number two team in the country Mm -hmm. on an aircraft carrier. You can't question too much what he's doing out there. Absolutely. All right, Nate, we know this is the headlining game coming up this weekend, but I do want to talk about a handful of other great Big Ten games that are on the schedule for this weekend. Looking forward to breaking those down with you shortly. But first, I want to tell you all about Underdog. This episode is brought to you by Underdog Fantasy, the easiest place to spice up the college basketball season. It's crazy easy to sign up and get started, and each game can be a different bet or pick choice for your favorite college basketball stars. You think Drew Timmy is going to score more than 18 points against Michigan State on Friday? You think Joey Hauser is going to score more than 15 points against Michigan State? Go, or excuse me, against Gonzaga? Go to the Upside app and drop your bet. Easy money. Bet Timmy and one to four other players, and you can win cold, hard cash. Sign up with promo code Locked On, one word, and Underdog will double your first deposit of up to $100. So deposit $100, get $100 free. Go to underdogfantasy.com or find the Underdog Fantasy app in the App Store or Google Play Store. That's Underdog Fantasy, promo code Locked On. Go get in on the Pick'em action today. All right, segment two still here with Nate Dickinson of the Locked On Big Ten podcast. Now, Nate, I want to talk about a couple of other games that are coming up here for the Big Ten. We're going to talk, we're going to stay in the state of Michigan because that's just a little bit more fun. We got Michigan State, of course, playing Gonzaga in that first game. But I also want to talk about Michigan and Eastern Michigan. So really, really digging home in the state of Michigan here. Uh, Obviously, this is a game that maybe wouldn't otherwise be on the radar, but I think the big kind of aspect of this game that I want to talk about is Imoni Bates, the player who was at Memphis last year, top recruit in the entire country, was like going to be a one-and-done guy, going to be a potential top five pick in the NBA drafts. He wasn't going to be a one-and-done guy because he had to play two years of eligibility, but he was dead set on being a really, really top pick in the draft. Things didn't go very well at Memphis. He ends up transferring. He goes to Eastern Michigan. He has some legal trouble while he's there. Now he's in a situation where he gets to play up against a really good Wolverines team with Jawan Howard uh, at the head coach there, obviously. I'm curious kind of your thoughts on this matchup in general and also just on Michigan's club as they head into a new season. Uh, As far as the matchup for Bates, he's going to have an opportunity to face off against some guys who do not have a whole lot of college basketball experience Mm -hmm. out there, or at least big-time college basketball experience. Uh, Of course, Hunter Dickinson's out there on the court, but that's not really going to be the matchup, at least for most of that game. But as far as Michigan goes, Hunter Dickinson comes back. Every other player who scored five points per game or more is no longer on that Michigan roster from last season. So there's going to have to be somebody who steps up a little bit here. And Mm -hmm. the 
guy, by the way, who is next highest scoring, who's still on the team, Terrence mm-hmm. Williams, he's not someone who's going to be stepping up either. He mm-hmm. took three shots in 28 minutes in the first yeah. game that Michigan played, ended up scoring two points. So mm-hmm. someone's going to have to step up. Looks like four-star recruit Jet Howard is something who's going to at least be yeah. a little bit of a part of that, was a big mm-hmm. score in the opening game for Michigan. But there's going to have to be at least somebody else who starts to make a difference in scoring. And these are the kind of games where we start to try and figure out who that will be. Hunter Dickinson's really good. He's going to be a big enough and good enough foundation for Michigan for them to be competitive in the Big Ten as long as they can at least be decent around him. That talent is there in the recruiting. It's going to have to, of course, show itself in these first games of the season, like one against Eastern Michigan and mm-hmm. like one where you're going up against another guy who could be a big-time scorer yeah. in Bates, too. Yeah, I, I'm I'm really excited to see Jet Howard. 21 points, five assists in his first game uh, for, the, for the Wolverines. So I think it'll be fun to see him and Bates go at each other again. Not sure how much of that they'll actually line up against each other, but I do think that uh, there's some really fun elements to a game that – historically might not be a game that people would pay that much attention to, but I think that this is going to be a really fun one with a, an untested Michigan squad as well as a really, really dynamic player in Bates. I want to switch gears, though, and talk about a actual Power 5 versus Power 5 matchup. We don't have very many of them in the first week of the college basketball season just because of the way that these teams end up scheduling each other. We're seeing a whole bunch of them starting next week and, of course, the week after that as we get into Feast Week and we get into all of the uh, multi-team games and, and tournaments and everything that happens there. But Wisconsin and Stanford, I told you it was Power 5 versus Power 5, and it is, but it's not exactly the most exciting teams, at least not this season. Both these teams haven't really been at the top of their game in the last couple of years. Uh, Stanford, in particular, in their first game this season, barely beat the Pacific Tigers, one of the worst teams in the WCC. It was a, I think it was a 10-point victory for the Cardinal. Again, first game of the year, so... How much does it say about Stanford? How much does it say about Pacific? A little bit harder to tell. I will probably get a much better sense of that when Stanford takes on Wisconsin. Uh, I would love to hear your thoughts on this Wisconsin team and potentially this matchup as well. Uh, Wisconsin is basically running it back with the <laughs> roster that they had last season, minus yep. Johnny Davis, minus Brad Davison, yep. uh, which means that they're going to need somebody to make some sort of a step like what Johnny Davis did last year for this team to make anything interesting. Now mm-hmm. they've got candidates to do that. Chucky Hepburn has already shown us that he yeah. can put together a big game in a big spot. That's out there. You, you've got him, you've got Tyler wall out there who was at least a contributor last season and is looking at least through one game. Like he's going to play a big role this year. Yeah. Max Klesman transfer from Wofford. He's someone mm-hmm. who was a, big big player and big minute skitter in the first game for wisconsin too he's someone who at least appears to be is going to be in the rotation Mm -hmm. if those guys can make that step then wisconsin is right back in it just like they were last year this team is picked to finish like 10th or something it was in the big 10 in the preseason Mm -hmm. it was because guys took big leaps that they were able to get to that next level Mm -hmm. if it happens again then good on them but it was an exception to the rule that Johnny yeah. Davis just out of nowhere made that kind of a big jump and yeah. was that kind of good. You can't expect it at least until you see it from Wisconsin. 
Well, you talked about Wisconsin losing high-end talent, and that's kind of the theme of, of so many programs in the Big Ten this year. You know, obviously Michigan returns Hunter Dickinson, and that's huge, and Indiana returns Chase, Trace Jackson Davis, excuse me, and he's obviously a phenomenal player. Those two guys are both All-American first-team candidates. But so many other teams, the focal point of their offseason was what they lost. You know, you talked about it with Wisconsin. Uh, certainly we saw that with Iowa, losing Keegan Murray. We saw that with a handful of other programs. Uh, that lost really high-end talent as well. And so we kind of end up in a situation where going into the year, the Big Ten is the, – the favorite is Indiana in part because they didn't lose anybody. Like, that's that's a huge part. I mean, Indiana wasn't very good last year. They 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 got hot at the right time, and they went on a nice little run uh, to in the Big Ten tournament. But they weren't a particularly great team, and now they head into this te- into the season with a bunch of momentum – uh, in part because they just return everybody. I'm kind of curious looking at the teams in the Big Ten as basketball season, you know, we're very early into the year, but do you kind of agree with that assessment that Indiana's the team to beat, or is it kind of one of those years where anybody could go get it in the Big Ten? Indiana's the team to beat. For what you said, they didn't lose as much as everybody else did. Everybody mm-hmm. else took a more of a step back, but also they bring in a five-star recruit in Jalen Huchifino. Yeah. They bring in a four-star recruit in Malik Renault. Those are yeah. Two guys who are going to be contributors on this team right away. And, yeah. and they're showing it already in the start of the season for the mm-hmm. Hoosiers. So you're right. The reason why Indiana's on top is because they have probably the least amount of question marks around them with right. the recruits that are here and with Trace Jackson Davis being here too. Mm-hmm. But this conference as a whole is entirely up in the air still. There mm-hmm. are five, six different teams who I could see coming out on top of it. Mm-hmm. I mean, if Illinois is good with mm-hmm. Tara Shannon Jr. and Sky yeah. Clark, if that transfer and that freshman yeah. are as good as they could be, mm-hmm. they're just as good as Indiana are. Right. If they're not, they could finish ninth or 10th in the Big Ten. <laughs> yeah, That's just how much is still up in the air in this conference right now. Mm-hmm. There's going to be good teams. There's only two top 25 teams in the preseason out of this conference. There's more than that many teams that are in the top 25 in college basketball. We just don't know who it is yet. Yep. Nate, thank you so much for taking the time to join today on the Locked On College Basketball Podcast. Uh, Really exciting opportunity to really kind of look at the Big Ten and look at this really fun Gonzaga and Michigan State matchup. So thank you. I'm looking forward to it. Always a pleasure to come on. All right. Thank you to Nate for joining me today. We're going to talk all things Big East in the final segment of the show, previewing my absolute favorite matchup of the entire weekend. But before we do that, I want to tell you all about Simply Safe. Did you know that over the holidays, property crimes like burglaries and package thefts spike nationally? That's why our friends at Simply Safe Home Security are offering 50% off their award winning security system so that more families can feel safe and secure this holiday season. Order your Simply Safe system for half off today and enjoy advanced security and greater peace of mind this holiday season. Simply Safe was named the best home security system of 2022 by U.S. News and World Report a third year in a row. In an emergency, 24/7 professional monitoring agents use Fast Protect technology exclusively from Simply Safe to capture critical evidence and verify the threat is real, so you can get priority police response. With the top-rated Simply Safe app, stay in complete control of your system anytime, anywhere, arm or disarm, unlock for a guest, access your cameras, or adjust system settings. Don't miss your chance to save big on the only security system I recommend. Get 50% off any new Simply Safe system at simplysafe.com slash locked on college today. This is their biggest discount of the year, so don't wait. At simplysafe.com slash locked on college. 
There's no safe like Simply Safe. All right, I am thrilled to be joined by another guest to close out the show and the week for the Locked On College Basketball Podcast. Here with me today is Matt St. Jean. He produces content at Road to the Garden, all about the Big East. Matt, I want to start talking about a really, really fun matchup scheduled for Saturday afternoon between Seton Hall and St. Peter's. Of course, it is a game that any other year you would look at on the calendar and just kind of move your eyes right past it. We see so many games like this where Big East or Power Six conference teams play lower level programs that people haven't really heard of all that much. However, this game has a much, much different significance now that Shaheen Holloway, of course, the former coach at St. Peter's, led that team to an incredible run through the NCAA tournament with the victory over uh, Kentucky and then Murray State and then Purdue and then who did they beat after that? Do you remember? I, I think they lost to North Carolina after yeah, that. They lost to North Carolina after that. Yeah. Still an incredible run for this team. Of course, now Holloway is the coach at Seton Hall. Gets to square off against his old team on Saturday. I'd love to hear your thoughts on this matchup and just kind of the the fun factor of having this game so early in the season. Oh, yeah. Thanks for having me on, Andy. Of course. Um, this was our game of the week for our site, too. And it was mm-hmm. kind of the obvious pick, mm-hmm. which is rare to say Ken Palm gives uh, St. Peter's a 6% chance of winning this right. one. It's this, this is a game that shouldn't be competitive, but it should be fun. Mm-hmm. It's, it's a Seton Hall team that is still very much figuring itself out with mm-hmm. a lot of new pieces. They beat Monmouth pretty easily. A lot of that was Monmouth kind of imploding on its own and yeah. Seton Hall just kind of standing there and letting it happen. Mm-hmm. Um, this is a St. Peter's team, though, that does not bring back a lot from the yeah. team last year. So it's this interesting dynamic where uh, of the most notable players from that St. Peter's team last year that are still playing college basketball, it's, it's Doug Eater, who's at Bryant now, and right. Casey and Defo, who's on the Seton Hall. Right. <laughs> he came with Shaheen Holloway. Yeah. So I think this is one of those that ends up being a much more interesting media storyline than mm-hmm. game. It's going to yeah. be lots of cutaways during the game, lots of yeah. pan into different things. And the announcer's talking about the stories and some fun interviews. And then right. you're going to get to the under the under 12 or the under 8 timeout in the first half. And it's not going to be close already. We're all going to look around like, all right, well, that's fun. <laughs> yeah. That's kind of what I was thinking, too, is a lot of people are going to watch this game and and people who watch the NCAA tournament are going to be looking for the same faces that they saw on that St. Peter's team. And they're just not going to see him. They're going to see one of them, but he's going to be playing in a different uniform uh, with Defo over there. Uh, You know, Eder was kind of the the face of that team in a lot of ways, and he obviously is not there anymore. Uh, I do think that it's a really fun story kind of just narratively, and I think one of the conversations we've had on this podcast a handful of times already is just the the kind of lack of a lot of super exciting games. Now we talked earlier on this show about Gonzaga, Michigan state and the excitement of bringing back the armed forces classic and playing on an aircraft carrier. And obviously those are two extraordinarily high profile programs and legendary hall of fame coaches and Mark few and Tom Izzo. But for the most part, there haven't been a ton of great games. And so here we are talking about Seton Hall, St. Peter's. Of course, there's a, a tremendous narrative story about it, but I kind of want to just talk on, on Seton Hall a little bit. You know, we this is a team that pretty banged up coming into the year. Uh, we've heard about a handful of guys who are already hurt. Uh, you mentioned they're kind of still finding their, themselves in a Big East that's got a lot of turnover, a lot of coaching turnover, a lot of player turnover. Kind of where, where do you see this team potentially fitting in in Shaheen's first year as the head coach? 
they should be somewhere in the middle of the pack. I think it's mm-hmm. going to be a defense that should be good. Yeah. There's a lot of veterans. There's a lot of length on this team. Holloway's mm-hmm. a good defensive coach. So you put that all together and I think they should hold their own at the very least at that end mm-hmm. of the floor. Offense is another question. This offense was not good last year, especially yeah. at the end of the season. They lost some guys. So mm-hmm. they're going to be relying on Kadari Richmond to do a lot of it. Yeah. Uh, Alamir Dawes, who's a transfer in. Yeah. Trey and Tay Davis, the brothers. Trey Davis, a transfer. Tay Davis, a freshman coming in. And mm-hmm. just a kind of a rotating cast of characters until they can find out who the guys are. Yeah, Ten different players played in the opener against Monmouth. Uh, mm-hmm. between 14 and 26 minutes. Nobody wow. played more than 26. That's and it was, Yeah, so it's, you basically just got two. It's, it's like hockey and you're doing line changes. Yeah. <laughs> like you got you got everything there. You got a lot mm-hmm. of rotations you can do. And that's without Alexis Yetna right now, who should be one of the team's best players. Mm-hmm. He's out indefinitely. We don't really know what's going on there other than yeah. that there's a knee injury. So. Yeah. All right, I want to talk about the other uh, exciting-ish game or more exciting game going on in the Big East this weekend. Of course, that's uh, Kyle Neptune and the Villanova Wildcats. They are taking on Temple. They played their first game against LaSalle. It wasn't the prettiest game, quite frankly, but they did secure the victory. As of this conversation, the Big East is undefeated. Hopefully that holds. Uh, but uh, obviously Villanova is a program that underwent a very significant change over the offseason with Jay Wright's uh, somewhat sudden retirement uh, and the promotion of Kyle Neptune had been in the program for a while. Uh, now they get Temple. Temple's 109th in Ken Palm as of this conversation, uh, a decent team that kind of got surprised in their first game, a loss that they weren't expecting, but uh, a team that maybe isn't going to be super competitive in the American conference, but at least has the ability to play a little bit of a spoiler here. I'm curious kind of your thoughts on, on really where this Villanova team is at this point in the season and kind of what this, what this matchup might shake out like. Well, I think we're going to find out a lot right here. First true road test for the new coach. Uh, this is the only true road game in the big East in the first week as well. Mm-hmm. Uh, the best opponent anybody's playing in the first week in the big East. Mm-hmm. So first chance for anybody to get any real idea mm-hmm. of who these teams are going to be. The the kind of the old guard looked good for Villanova against LaSalle. You had mm-hmm. four guys in double figures, Caleb Daniels, Eric Dixon, Brandon Slater, and Jordan Longino, all yep. guys who were there last year. The rest of the team gave you just 13 points combined. Um, and there, I mean, oh. <laughs> yeah, and there, there's a lot of talent on this Villanova team. I think mm-hmm. there's six underclassmen who were four stars or better. Wow. And you just have to actually see those guys start to perform. And mm-hmm. we haven't yet. Obviously, it's we're one game in, so yep. nothing is solid. But they have to figure out who's actually going to provide some of that depth, who can score other than the veterans. Mm-hmm. And then the other thing here with Nova is the injury situation. Justin Moore, who should be their best returning player, he's not going to play for a while. It's an Achilles injury too, although mm-hmm. he was warming up a little bit before that last game, which is interesting. Mm-hmm. And then Cam Whitmore, Big East yeah. preseason freshman of the year, out with a thumb injury. I think he's going to be out until around Thanksgiving. So he won't play in this one. And this is where it, Villanova should get two leaders for Big East play back. Mm-hmm. but this is where you find out what the rest of that team is made out of. It's a losable game if they don't put it all together. I want to talk just about the Big East in general and kind of look at it. This is a conference, again, we talked about a ton of different turnover on this in this conference, uh, coaches, players, all of that, and, and now we're kind of looking at it's not as, I you know, Villanova used to be like it's them and then it's, you know, the rest of those teams after that. And now that's definitely not the case. Creighton is a team that 
you know, has got a ton of hype coming into the season, top 10 team. Uh, we saw Xavier with Sean Miller uh, coming in and they kind of got some hype there. Uh, just kind of looking, not necessarily at what's happened so far, because we, we haven't really learned all that much about most of these teams, but just kind of broad strokes, kind of how you expect the league to shake out this year and maybe what teams uh, you kind of expect to be rising toward the top by the time the March rolls around. The way I look at it, I think Villanova, Creighton, mm-hmm. and probably UConn are the yeah. top three teams. Those are the top three teams in my, if mm-hmm. I had a ballot here. Yeah. Xavier should be in that top tier as well, although yeah. I think there's a little bit more question marks there. Georgetown and DePaul are probably at the bottom of yeah. the league, mm-hmm. and then everybody else is in this middle class. Seton right Hall, middle. Providence. Yeah. yeah, Seton Hall, Butler, Providence, Marquette, St. John's, mm-hmm. all teams that can make the tournament. Just got to find out if they can put it together. Mm-hmm. Providence and Georgetown both had scares in their openers, yeah. both teams that had five new starters. Uh, Georgetown in particular, basically... Everybody that played for them transferred it to 219 of the 225 minutes played were from guys who were not on the roster last year. And yeah, so when you're doing that, yeah, it takes time to build a team, but still almost lose at home to Coppin State. Mm -hmm. Providence trying to run back, run it back with almost an entirely new group here. Mm -hmm. They almost lose at home to Ryder. Creighton did not look as hot out of the gate as people expected. And Mm -hmm. I think it's a reminder that the team you are in January, February, March is not the team you are in November. And it's we're going to see what ends up happening with a lot of these teams, but I think there's also a lot of room for movement in the Big East. You had last year, Providence picked seventh in the preseason poll. They win the regular season. Right. Marquette picked ninth. They end up moving up to fifth, making the NCAA tournament. So anything can happen in the Big East. We'll see how it goes. Matt, thank you so much for taking the time out of your day to join the show today. A perfect cap to a great week for the Locked On College Basketball Podcast. Folks, check out the show. It's going to be great next week. Check us out on YouTube. Hit that subscribe button if you haven't done so yet. we got a great weekend of college hoops. Can't wait for you all to check it out. Can't wait to talk to you all next week.